Hey, it's Mercury retrograde. Oh, is it? I, see, I never want to believe in that stuff. And then every time somebody tells me, I'm like, no, it makes yeah. Okay, I never heard that saying until I lived in New York, and then I heard it like every week. And I just like it feels like Mercury is always in retrograde, and I don't know what it means. I think it happens twice a year, and it's like an eight-week period. So okay, that might be enough to make it feel like it's always happening. Maybe it's more than twice a year. Maybe it feels like it's been the last like three years at least. (laughs) Mercury retrograde feels like years. Yeah, it feels like twenty twenty for sure. You cannot play God than wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, we're really stoked to have you. You're actually incredibly important to our podcast story. I don't think you would know because I'm okay. sure you don't listen to it. But um, as I sort of mentioned earlier, I started this podcast, I started the show and the podcast together. So I sort of like had this job of navigating online without um, without any spoilers, which I did a really, really, really good job of. But then you followed us on Twitter and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, and in your profile as Cylon. So you were my only spoiler, but it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Yeah. Okay, good. We're very grateful for the follow. And Lisa should not have been managing the social media. That was an error on our part. Yeah, that, that, that's a dangerous. I just love Twitter. Um, I think it's, 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 crazy that that's like the worst spoiler you've had yeah it was well, seen so it impressive now. yeah yeah no because it could be so much worse than yeah it could be you know you know in that episode where like um boomer they're looking for water on a planet and like her eyes glaze over every time there's water on the th- on the screen and oh, it's um, like her cylon her cylon brain, brain not is, like, letting her process it. the inter- like yeah, I think like my brain did that for spoilers. That. Yeah, I think that's what happened for me. Anyway, that's our listeners will understand. I think I, that's what um what I did. What have you got there? Are you drinking a tea? I am. I'm drinking a little ginger tea that I made. Oh, lovely. Yeah. You said you have a story about um, beer. <laughs> Would you like to share? It with oh, yeah, that's right. That's a big part of our podcast. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about beer. So, you know, the world started to explode. I was like, just trying to get out of LA as quickly as possible. Flew up here on March 15th and they closed the borders on the 17th or 17th or 18th. A few days later, they announced closing of the borders. And I mean, I still would have been able to come home, but it would have been more mayhem. So I was glad, glad to come home. Um, My mom is a strict vegetarian and doesn't have any alcohol or anything in the house. And um, my brother lives here too in the, in the basement. It's like a two level house, suite upstairs, suite downstairs, and there's zero alcohol in the house whatsoever. And uh, you know, a lot of us have really wanted something to take the edge <laughs> off while the world is exploding. But I'm like, But I'm like, I'm not going to take any chances we've gotten all of our food food delivered mm-hmm. here um or we do like curbside pickup like my mom's older and her lungs are her worst organ she's had asthma since she was a kid i'm like i'm here to take care of her i'm not taking any chances so i'm not gonna go to the liquor store <laughs> <laughs> one day she's like after i've been here for probably about a month she's like oh um 
there you had some juice in the upstairs fridge. You you left a juice, and I was like, "What is she talking about?" And I tried to open it, but I couldn't, and so I just left it on the counter. And I go and look on the counter, and there is a beer, a single <laughs> beer that Trisha Helfer gave me from her hotel room while we hung out in Abbotsford. She came here for an air show last summer, and we went together, and it was a great time. I got to drive a race car. She got to go up in a oh, plane. Cool. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, you know, we spent a couple nights there and, uh, and just had a great time. And when she was just checking out of her room, she gave me all of her extra food and stuff. And one thing in there was this delicious raspberry beer, which I put in my mom's fridge and then forgot about. And now my mom had like, <laughs> like how long has it been she tried to open a can of beer. <laughs> like, she literally just like did some weird things. She kind of like had it half off. And then, and then she took a can opener. To <laughs> it's just like a oh. like happy smile, like just that much taken out of the can. And I was like, wow, this is pretty impressive. I didn't tell her it was a beer, but I just laughed. And I thought, you know what? It's Trisha's birthday Zoom party in two days. So I'm going to let this thing go flat in the fridge for two days. And then I'm going to drink it on her birthday because it's literally the only alcoholic beverage in the house. So yeah, I had it two days later for her birthday party. And uh, it was actually delicious. Was it, was it flat? Or was it? It was flat-ish. I actually don't. I, I really like beer, but I find the carbonation a little too intense. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I can't drink much. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of perfect because it was just like, it was like more like sparkling water or something. It was like, really, really. <laughs> like a LaCroix. And it was a tall can. So it was like, it was a good amount. I got, I got tipsy. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, if you haven't been drinking all, all of this time, I, I kind of came back to Australia at a similar time. So we both yeah, yeah. fled America. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylee. Yeah, yeah. I do not blame you. I would leave if I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're safe, uh, safe in Canada with um, healthcare. And I'm glad you're safe in Australia with healthcare. <laughs> and Kaylee, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, we're being so careful. I'm in this, like, I'm in Chicago, but I'm tucked away in a, like a little neighborhood. It's fine. Um, okay. Yeah, but my family's yeah. in my family's in New York, so that's been a little stressful. Uh, yeah. Everybody's okay though. Everybody's okay. That's yeah, gotta good. be grateful for that. I hope it stays that way. Yeah. So I guess like that kind of leads us in. So uh, a lot of what we talk about in our podcast is about the politics of the show. That's kind of why I love sci-fi. I think it's kind of similar for Kaylee, like exploration of possible futures. Do you have like a, when did you last rewatch Battlestar? And like, do you have a favorite storyline or plot that you think is like super relevant for politics and like the world at the moment? Oh, Christ. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's not um, swearing. No, we're... <laughs> we swear we're a lot of the podcast. We're very on this podcast. <laughs> okay, great. Great. I don't know, man. It, and actually, to go back to, like, why I followed you, like, I don't follow people all the time, but, like, I just got this good vibe Aww. from you guys, and it was just, like, the name alone. I was like, yeah, these people are cool. Yes. I'm give them <laughs> We got a cheers to Melia for coming up with the name, the former, yes, former absolutely. co-host. Former yeah. co-host. Cheers, Melia. Nice. Cheers. Yeah. I wish I had a beer, but oh well. <laughs> Sorry. 
right. Yeah, I mean, great storytelling will always, I think, be relevant. Mm. Certainly politically, that show said a lot and was ahead of its time and will continue to be, sadly, because, I mean, look at the race war stuff that's happening right now. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I love, that's the the storyline, I guess, that I right away really resonated about with the show. And it's my favorite thing, really. It's just the, the fact that people want to blame, right? People mm. want to point a finger and say, you're the enemy. And I love that that show takes the person that you think you can hate and that you can enjoy hating and makes you love them. Then you go, oh, wait a second. If I love that person, then they're not other. They're not dehumanized. Even the robots in this show are not dehumanized. And I love that. You can't get more other than artificial intelligence. And that the show went so far to say even the artificial intelligence is as human as we are and we can't make it less than. I loved all the performances that contributed to that and all the writing and the storytelling. It's just, that's what war is about, whether it's in your home or whether it's countries killing each other. It's thinking that someone is somehow less than you or bad, one-dimensional in some way. It's like, we are all whole human beings. We're all capable of love and shittiness. And uh, most of us hang out somewhere in between and do a bit of both. And I, and I, and I loved that about the show that almost every single character, except mine. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> we'd really love to talk about that. That was on our list of questions for yeah. you. Well, I, we we didn't introduce our beers, but I'm drinking a villainous IPA right now. Yeah, um, yeah. and I have I have Sleeping Giant IPA, which I it was kind of like the sleeper agent part of the silence so excellent excellent our beers on you we have some more for later as well so <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. yeah and, and to go back to one of your first question was when when it, did you last rewatch bsg and i haven't mm. watched it since we did it mm. i've seen episodes here and there mostly thankfully to trisha because she's like okay come do this galacticast mm-hmm the episode we're going to do and I'm like well I better watch it and my is <laughs> and and every time I've watched one of the episodes I'm like oh my god I'm like crying I'm like the show was so good yeah. I'm like cheering I'm like oh, all the feels we're so good <laughs> oh we all miss it so can I ask, yeah. did, did you think of your character as a villain at the time? I didn't. I didn't uh, until they started sort of, you know, writing it more and more that way. And it was really, it was not until I saw how they cut it together, mm. you know, because, you know, as an actor, you bring in a lot of, well, I mean, everybody does things differently, but for myself, I tend to bring in a you know, fairly wide variety of choices. Okay, not that wide. Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, there were moments where I was far more human, compassionate, uh, or even humorous or whatever that never made it. Oh, wow. Onto the, the, you know, there were those little moments were all gone. And so when they cut it together, I was like, oh, wow. Like, they're going really dark. Like, 
yes, it's there on the page, but when they snip out any little smile even, that was one thing like I kind of thought that as we were, as I was watching it and going, oh, wow, like they're making me darker, more severe, more villainous. So then I was like, okay, well then let me go that way, you know, because it becomes like a conversation between you and the, all the different levels, the writing and the editing and the, then you, you kind of create it all together. But it's, it was, it wasn't until I started going to conventions that I think I fully understood the scope of how my character was really received because it was kind of intense. (laughs) Yeah. What was the fan reaction like? Some people just like straight up hated me. And I was, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, partly I had never experienced, you know, this was my big breakout role. So I'd never experienced a lot of fan interaction of any kind. And my first trip uh, to a convention was New York Comic Con right after I killed Callie. So yeah, it was like that episode aired and they flew out myself, Michael Hogan and Michael Trucco. And I remember standing on on a street corner in New York and like two guys like walking up, waiting to cross the street with me. And we're like, Great work last night. It's like what? <laughs> oh my god! Even so know. toxic. That is yeah, really creepy. You were that episode. What? <laughs> Do people know who I am? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And like, thank, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. <laughs> but Callie was also such an underserviced character. One of our like consistent lines in the podcast, and I don't know if you remember, it happened like so early on, but like one of the first episodes, Callie bites off some guy's ear. Like she was like so powerful in the beginning. She was such a badass at first. Yeah. And it's one of our biggest yeah. complaints about the show is that they kind of write her into this like abused wife character who feels a lot mm. more one-dimensional. Um, yeah. Yeah. By the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I guess like, so basically in terms of, so we've recorded our finale episode, but we're, you, the world's in crisis. We've been a bit slack on our editing, a bit. but, um, a little bit, but we're probably going to air this, like do this, like just before our finale, just so you know, sort of like where this sits in the podcast. <laughs> what do you think about like, cause Tori plays such a big part in the finale. What do you think about that whole thing? Uh, sorry, which finale? <laughs> yeah, because it's like a three-part finale. Yeah, I'm still not sure how it's technically categorized. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like. Oh, I guess. I mean, my finale. Your finale. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> right, that's what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a way to go. I mean, I didn't like it. I, I mean, I didn't. I, I didn't like the way the whole thing went. And I've only just started talking about it actually in a podcast that that's coming out this weekend. I've been dropping little hints here and there (laughs) since the beginning, like, yeah, who wants to be that person? But what I haven't felt the the bravery to talk about until now, honestly, in the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. was the fact that it kind of killed me inside to be like, ah, when you look at the cast, like a picture of the whole cast why is the one the darkest woman in the show have to be that person you know like wouldn't it be great if sam anders threw callie out the airlock like yeah and and i'm sure that the you know that the writers weren't 
thinking of it in that way and you know it made sense from the story perspective like we don't know much about tori tori's the wild card and of course we want to keep rooting for the heroes of the show and i get it but it was you know i i didn't have the balls to talk about it at the time i was just so grateful to have a job and to be on this incredible show and i didn't want to ruffle any feathers but i was dying a little bit inside as i watched the turn for my character and not from a you know a place of oh but i want to be a hero and i want to be liked no i mean especially at that time like how many indian women were on television yeah like i could count on one hand the amount of indian actresses that i knew so I felt like this great responsibility to represent. And in fact, just before I booked Battlestar Galactica, I almost quit. And the only thing over the years when I have wanted to quit acting, you know, we all get frustrated. The only thing that's always kept me going is the responsibility that I have felt to represent. I'm like, no, I can't give up because I don't want another brown girl to look on television and not see herself. And that's kept me going. So, so then it was like, you know, yay, I'm on this amazing show. Yay, I have a big part. You know, I'm actually getting to represent somebody who looks like me on this show. But why is the one person who kind of looks like a terrorist now the one who <laughs> has to be so black and white on this show that I love because of its grayness? Right. Yeah, especially... I I think we've heard from some of the podcasts done by the creators that the show was like really influenced by the aftermath of 9-11. And that was like the terrorism mm -hmm. plot point was really part of the show. So yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking to hear. That's fully heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. yeah. And especially because like, if you look back through like our episodes, like we freaking, we did not like Billy. Oh, this is before your time, Kaylee, but Melia and I were not fans of Billy. And when you came on as like, um, you know, the president's assistant, like right-hand person, we're like, yes, Tori. And we loved you. I hated Tyrrell for like the whole podcast. And he got this amazing Which is redemption to say story. Nothing of the actor who is brilliant. Like he's, he's brilliant, brilliant. But yeah. it's nothing about the actors. It was just like, honestly, for the first, I think like, seven episodes i couldn't tell him and hilo apart i was like which one is it like which white guy which is I, it? <laughs> I still don't get that but <laughs> i don't know because i was new to the show and there was so many characters and white, just, white guys they all look the same and they haven't they haven't always been received favorably on this podcast no <laughs> um speaking of which my second beer is called balta and it says with enjoyment and i was thinking about your says what with enjoyment which with i think tori mm. did have some balta with enjoyment i sure did on the show <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was my choice um but yes you know all of the the guys like they get these amazing redemption stories and like if you look at the probably only like good people of color on the show they all kind of got screwed like d shot herself gator like gets thrown out an airlock i am a big gator fan by the way he's like one of my favorite People, I think Alessandro oh, Giuliani is beautiful. He is inside and out. He's wonderful. Oh, beautiful. Love him. Yeah. Uh, but even like Boomer Athena, like Athena maybe is not a bad character, but like Boomer is pretty vilified. Like it's, and then Simon's just non existent. He's just like, he is very is rarely a part of yeah. the Cylon meetings. Yeah. 
<laughs> just, he's kind of the token. Yeah, exactly. He's just there and just does yeah. very little. So yeah, it was really sad to see that kind of direction. And it's um, thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. And thanks for saying that you saw that too, you know, from your perspective. Yeah. As fans of the show, watching it for the first time or rewatching it now, like we, we spent a lot more time really hating Tyrrell than we <laughs> ever did Tori. So yeah, it's it it was really hard to watch, honestly. Um, rewatching it this this last time around, yeah, just like you were saying, the redemption arc that a lot of the the white yeah, and and you know, and I and I do think that's something that's indicative of of the the time. I mean, it doesn't. It's in some ways, it only feels like yesterday that we did the show, but it was actually a long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, just the consciousness around these kinds of issues of representation and stories. And, you know, I love the, uh, you know, the, there's the test oh. for Oh, for the Bechdel test? Yeah. Yeah. But now they have the Ava DuVernay test. Yes. <laughs> oh, I did hear about that. Do two people of color talk to each other? Are they related? Yeah. Do, do they have names? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've... And I've certainly had that, like, oh, you know, we've got one Indian person, so we can't have more than one. What? <laughs> like, oh, because, you know, your sister isn't going to be in the show. So what? <laughs> what are you saying? Oh my God. You know how many white people are on the show <laughs> who have nothing to do with each other? <sighs> yeah, it's... I say white girls, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's wild. It's it's really bad here in Australia, actually. And we have a massive like South Asian population because obviously of proximity. And it's always wild to me how few people of uh, South Asian descent are on television. But speaking of which, so you're a Star Trek fan. I haven't seen that much Star Trek, being very honest. Kaylee, what's your, do you have a Star Trek history? So, well, Battlestar, I was always a person who's like, I'm not really into sci-fi. And Battlestar Galactica was the show for me that was like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Um, it can be this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, my my best friend in like middle school and high school, her father was a sci-fi writer. So we used to go to the to all the conventions and I would just get to like tag along with them and hang out in the hotel room and like eat pizza and swim in the pool and like ride the elevator with Klingons. Um, so like I've been around that world for a long time, but I was always like, I'm I'm not here for this. Like, too cool for this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so as an adult now, I've I've come to embrace a lot more sci-fi. Um, but my my Trek experience is still somewhat minimal. Yeah, mine's like occasional episodes that my dad would have on. Nothing like into it. But was that like your first sci-fi that you really loved as a as a kid? Or yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember the day that my brother got me watching it. I was like watching, I don't know, like Full House or something. You know? <laughs> sure, yeah. And he, and he was like, hey, so do you want to try something else? <laughs> There's this really cool show. It's from the 50s and the 60s. And it's like, it's campy. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, but he was like, it's it's supposed to be and, and kind of, cool and dated but it's really cool i was like okay and he put it on and we watched for a few minutes and i was like kind of not sure i was like it seems kind of dumb and old but it was funny i kind of started getting into it and i love the idea of the you know just being in another planet different world and and then the thing that got me because he goes you know how the doors go (laughs) 
that's not the sound, but <laughs> I guess I'm not good at making sound. I don't know what they do. <laughs> they make a specific sound. And he said, do you know that there's two people standing on either side and they're opening and closing them manually? And I was like, <laughs> it was a behind the scenes moment that got me in. And then I watched the rest of the episode and then I was totally hooked. And then I came home after school. I was eight years old and I would watch Star Trek and, and eat milk and cookies. And- so wholesome. And then, yeah. And then like later on, I ended up watching Next Gen. And then I watched some of the other ones, but it was more like touch and go. Like I, I didn't, I didn't really ever watch even the original Star Trek. I didn't watch, you know, the whole thing. I was never, I was going to say I'm not obsessive, but that's not true. Um, <laughs> there are some shows that there just aren't many shows that I'm like, I have to watch every Now episode. I need to know what your shows are. What are your every yes. episode shows? Fleabag. Yeah. I, I watched all of it twice. <laughs> it was so good. So- so funny and so poignant and just uh yeah actually i watched all of louis as well um i was really obsessed with curb your enthusiasm you know in its early day i think and then the more recent season that came out i didn't really get into a lot of comedy stuff is like how to watch every single episode i think that's what i love more than anything yeah, that's all I can think of right now. I was really into the X Files for oh, a nice. while too, actually. Very There's just cool. so many yeah. seasons of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, I did drop off. Like, you know, yeah. I was like, I'm done with this now. But <laughs> it's definitely hard with those like older, because like I saw episodes of the X Files as a kid, but I think with those shows where it's like less of a, like a long term story and more just like episodic, it's really hard to keep pushing on. Whereas with like Battlestar Galactica, it's like, yeah. oh my God, I have to see the next episode like what's gonna happen in this well, yeah, and- oh well I had to watch all of that <laughs> <laughs> not just because I was in it but because I could not wait to oh, see the next great. episode yes. um yeah and I think yeah. BSG was happening at the time when like network tv shows were kind of shifting from that like monster of the week format yeah I mean BSG was really one of the ones to really take it to the um wait which is it yeah, serialized, serialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I always get the terms mixed up, but yeah. And so you're working on Star Trek now as well, or you met Nichelle Nichols. I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the world. I'm not, you know, on the show regularly, but once you're part of the family, you're part of the family. Oh, so nice. I love that about sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I I love those people that I've made so many good friends through Star Trek. What has your actor life been since quarantine started? I, I've seen so many posts from actors like begging people <laughs> to take this seriously because they're going to need to work. Um, what's it been like for you? Yeah, it's weird. It's freaky because it's like, I just don't trust anything. So here in BC, I'm actually probably in the best place in the world besides like Australia to for the industry to start getting yeah. back up and running again because um, we're doing really well here. Our cases are down, I think, 82% from our initial spike back in May or whatever. So things are, a couple of shows have started. I, I do have, you know, an episode coming up that I'm supposed to work on up here, which was also part of the reason why I came up here. I just don't know what's going to happen though. It's like, okay, so everyone will start shooting. What if one person gets COVID? Then is all of production shut down. Like, 
what's the shooting schedule going to even be like? Because you can only have so many people. The other thing I've heard is that like that they can't even properly ensure anybody to be on set right now. So, I mean, there's so many details that are being worked out. They are moving forward here. Like Trisha is getting on a plane to come up here and shoot something. Um, Katie is here and is going to start soon with another life. And I just, I just don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to fall flat. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of stops and starts or if we're just going to go steadily. I don't know if that's going to create a spike. But I mean, that's the good situation <laughs> is touch and go, right? Like in LA, like I'm auditioning for stuff. Like I just put myself on tape for something in LA and I'm like, okay, I'll do it like as a joke. <laughs> like wh- when do they think they're going to actually film it, right? Like, you know... I mean, early days of quarantine, I was still putting myself on tape for stuff that was like, we're going to shoot at the end of May. And I'm like, <laughs> we're going to shoot at the end of June. I'm like, you just go on thinking that because it's not going to happen. But I understand. I mean, it, it lands at different times. People have different levels of understanding. There's also just the fact that like, what else are they going to do? They might as well try to f- book cast because they can't film right now. But it, fe- it feels really weird. Mm. And it also feels weird to do storylines that feel inconsequential when the stakes of our lives are like up here. It's really, really challenging. And I've gone through that with some of my friends too who are like, I have to put this on tape. I do not give a shit about this. People are dying all over the world. <laughs> like... You know, it's a play, you know, another white girl and a white story with a bunch of white people and where's the black people in the script and, like, you know, all the things that we are passionate about. If they're not on the page, it's kind of hard to get behind right now. Yeah. 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 And then just, you know, the oddness of doing it at home by yourself. I mean, some people are with their partners or whatever in quarantine and it's a bit easier. They have somebody to read with. I'm like, I'm in my mom's basement with my brother. <laughs> they don't. So I'm like, I've got my friends on FaceTime on my laptop and I just slide the laptop <laughs> up next to my iPhone and like... The glamorous yeah. life of an actor. Yeah. Speaking of sort of online projects, uh, you were looking up the um the v for vendetta yes your netalogs yeah. performance was so cool i didn't even know that existed i think we're gonna share it on the next podcast and convince people to we'll try and get people to donate um and then yes please yeah, do uh, and then we realized neither of us have seen v for vendetta so like if you could tell us <gasps> i know and so i'm gonna go watch it right after this and if you really wanted to like chat with us again we could totally do a podcast episode on it and we could all talk about it <laughs> if you wanted we should yes. i'd be totally yes. down for that Amazing. That'd be fun. We both love the Wachowski, so we're like, how did we miss this? Can you tell us without spoiling the movie for us why you chose V for Devendetta? It's it's been out long enough. You deserve (laughs) to be spoiled. It's fine. Sorry, what was what was the question? Why Why you chose that particular monologue? And you did it beautifully, by the way. We just shared it on our Twitter. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Without ruining the movie. (laughs) Um You can ruin it a little. I mean like the big points. I, I Okay, I know, I know. I won't talk about the movie. I'll talk about, I chose it because it felt really relevant to what's happening right now. The movie's fantastic, but like 
the the message of like well first of all she's dying and alone she's isolated so i felt like it really spoke to what people must be going through who are dying and alone and can't see their families and literally like oh breaks my heart i don't know you guys know conan um so one of his writing staff lori kilmartin just recently posted on twitter her mother just died a few weeks ago um, from covid in the hospital and she literally was like coughing into her ipad the last moments with her mother were spent through an ipad so that's just totally heartbreaking so yeah so there was that aspect of it like what if i had my last you know first of all that desire to connect being in isolation and also to the story of her life that she shares is about having integrity is about standing up for what you believe in which you know for her was about being gay and and equal rights and you know, right now we're talking about equal rights a lot. So yeah, all of that, all that, what's important and living from truth. And yeah, she was just such a brave character. And, and then ultimately the biggest thing is love. At the end of the day, I think that's all that really matters. And I, and I am very much a person who loves everyone. And so I, I loved that it's like it doesn't matter i don't know you i don't get to laugh with you i don't get to kiss you and i love you because you're fucking human that's all it needs to be yeah that was really beautiful i love the end of that i don't know if you watched it kaylee or not but like the end of it is i love you you know i don't know who you are actually i decided to save it um for after i watched the movie which has been long 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 <laughs> we're both um, gonna go watch it after this. but yeah the project the project seems incredible. I didn't know about it, but there's some other BSG alums on there. There's Lin-Manuel Miranda doing Billadama. Amazing. Yes, which I haven't watched yet either. I, I can't love Lin-Manuel Miranda and I love Hamilton. No one's got anything on Eddie. Eddie's just too good. I'm sorry, I said it. No one can talk. It was a brave. It was brave. No, I mean, he can't. No. He can't compete, but I don't think he's trying to. But if anyone was going to do Eddie's speech, I mean, it it's a good choice. choice. It's, like, really it's like the kind choice. of flex that like Lin-Manuel Miranda can make and like nobody else can. Like who else could like be like, I'm going to do Edward James Olmos. Well, he's also like the most humble, sweet, easygoing individual. It, you know, he wouldn't be coming oh, at it no. with any kind of, you know, nothing but reverence, oh, 100% I'm sure. Is. It's very like understated actually, but like beautiful. Yeah. And, and um, uh, Truco, Michael Truco did one. He did Men in Black. Yeah. Yes. I haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait. The only ones I saw were um, Aaron's and Trisha's, and then oh, one other one. Oh, I didn't see her on there. Was there two cycles of it? We yeah. just like we just saw it before we were meeting for this. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> well, when when Trisha and Aaron and I did it, there was only like you know a dozen of us. Right, at, it was right at the beginning, um, and since then, there's like four times the amount of content on there it's amazing it's such a fun opportunity to see because I, I think we have this perception that like we're nerds <laughs> and then actors are actors and it's nice to see actors like embracing the these pieces of pop culture that mean yeah. so much to us yeah yeah, um, yeah. you'll like Truco's yeah. Kaylee because his dogs are in it 
Like he brought in his dogs to like be his co-stars in the monologue, which is really great. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait to watch it. He's so good. He's such a talent and such a wonderful yeah, human. Yeah, he being. seems really great. Okay, well, we should yeah. probably let you go. I mean, I have one more question, and I don't know if Kayla, you do, but mine is um. So, like, just before we met with you today. Uh, I went and looked at a couple of your interviews and I noticed that every time you talk about Michael Reimer, you do an Australian accent. (laughs) What? I do? (laughs) Every time you were telling about like how he told you that you're a silent, all this stuff. You just like you break into this Australian accent, and um, and I was actually laughing with Kaylee because um, like Australia. I mean, I don't say my eyes. I talk like an Australian, and so I like I would call you like Rekha Sharma. Like that's how in Australian I would pronounce your name, and I'm like that's not correct. And so <laughs> we were wondering, and you don't have to, but um, if you wanted to do your Australian accent, <laughs> it's 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 been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I always used to uh, laugh on set because um, it just reminded me um, every time Reimer would say he wanted to do a raking shot. That's what they're called. Rake. But he called it a, a raker. <laughs> Let's get a raker in here. And I'd be like, yes. Oh, not me. <laughs> um, can I do an Australian accent? I don't know. Oh. Well, actually, that's what usually people struggle. I'm trying to think of people that I know. I don't know where I'm going now. I might be globe trotting <laughs> at the moment. But there you go. It's, it's a little bit good. of something. Like, Americans famously cannot do Australian accents, but that's actually one of the better ones I've heard. It's, it's one of the most difficult. Yeah. Well, thank you because I just like picked it up. Uh, you know what's? Oh, I have to do this one accent for you, which is really fun. Please. So I yeah. have family in Australia, and. There's nothing like an Indian Australian <laughs> And my my aunt, Rekha, she's got a really funny voice too. How's it going? <laughs> oh, she sounds amazing. We should have her on. What's that? We should have her on. She sounds amazing. You should definitely have her on. She's fantastic. Where in Australia is she? How's the new? How's your mum? <laughs> Are you going to come visit? Um, yeah, she's hilarious. Oh, and here's a fun fact. So my uncle is kind of a celebrity in Australia. Oh, really? From like way back in the day. Okay. Kamal. Kamal who? You don't know? I don't think I know. Let me look him up. He's like way back K-A-L? in the day. He's like K-A-M-A-H-L. No, A-H-L. What does he do? He's like, a, he's like a lounge singer kind of thing. Is he Malaysian? Oh my gosh. He's, I think he's Come just on. known by his first name. Yeah, he's known by his first name. Malaysian born Australian singer. Yeah. Yeah. His highest charting local single was Sounds of Goodbye. Maybe a little bit before my time. So he's 85 it's, it's now. From, it's from way, way back. Yeah, yeah. But there's a couple people that I've mentioned it to and they're like, who? Because... Apparently, in more recent years, he like did some, some like comedy. Ah, uh, what's the word? Spoof kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna look into him. Yeah, I think oh, we've we've found the song we'll use to close <laughs> out our episode. 
Talk with a Kamal tune. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna throw it in there. He's a he's a total character. Oh, he has an Order of Australia. That's pretty fancy. That's like okay. our um, like it's not the same, but it's kind of like getting like a knighthood almost. It's like on Australia Day, we give right. all these awards to people to say like you're an Order of Australia and like you're an important person. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you guys interviewed Lucy? No, we haven't. You're our first actual star. You're our first interview. What? Yes. We actually like we um because we like I I mean I personally started this podcast just to try out the medium. I'd never done podcasting. It was a fun thing to do. And I sort of chose this because I was like, it's niche, it'll be fun. I'll go on a learning journey, yeah. it's great. And we just kind of get together and have a beer and talk about politics and Battlestar Galactica. Uh and then it was like we were coming to the end and all this happened, and I was like, maybe people are bored in quarantine. Like maybe they just like want to hang out with us. <laughs> um and you and um Tamal? Tamo. Tamo thought we'd just like ping you guys and just be like, fuck it. Like who wants to be on our show? Yeah. Um, if you totally. want to introduce us to all the cast, we <laughs> we can do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, and because Lisa was spoiler free, we've kind of avoided like the convention yeah. scenes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, you got time. Reaching out got to time. people. Yeah, I mean, basically like we'll be paying for it to be hosted on the platform anyway so we may as well just keep doing shows so yeah we'd love to meet lucy i mean we're in the same time zones kind of so yeah well, well you are, it's yeah. not quite the same <laughs> like new zealand is not like right here. listen if lucy lawless wants to talk to me at four o'clock in the morning then yeah <laughs> i um i just started watching xena actually that's been my like quarantine watch it's like on my level of what oh. i can handle right now have you come across um charles majeure on there yet i don't know who's is that an actor yeah he's australian ah. he's a good buddy of mine oh nice but he was in xena back in the day when he was in australia yeah and then, but we met when I did V. Okay. Yes, I saw we that. And it's v. in my watch list, actually, because it looks like a really cool show. I watched it as it aired, and I have not watched it since. And I remember very little except that there were lizard people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a great group of people. Marina Baccarin and uh, Elizabeth Mitchell and Morris Chestnut and Charles Majeure. Joel Gretsch, um, what's his name? Scott, nope, Fox, what? No, can't remember his name. Anyway, lovely group of people. Too bad it, it didn't really, it didn't really find its legs. It didn't really take off mm. as a show, um, you know, and, and uh, but yeah. Well, Cedar is really funny because it's like a whole bunch of Kiwis trying to do American accents and they're so bad at it. But it's really good, like, yeah. it's really good quarantine viewing and um, I've been really enjoying it. And Lucy Lawless, what a babe. Oh, um, speaking of Kiwis, Craig, God, what's his last name? Craig, you know, there's this show that everybody watches in Australia. Is there? Uh, there's this show... <laughs> Everybody watches it. Come on, tell me what it is. I don't know. Uh, I haven't lived here for two it's years. Like a family-based kind of like show. Like Home and Away or Neighbors. They're the two like main ones, and it's yeah. like it's like Melbourne versus Sydney. So like Neighbors is very Melbourne, look them up. and then Sydney is Home and Away is very Sydney. So it's kind of like LA versus New York. So it's like Sydney's like all the pretty people who are really tanned at the beach, and like and then Melbourne is like all the interesting people who are really artistic, and it's cold and we're all pale. I mean, if we're white, but like, you know, we're all Craig Allen Hall. Craig Allen Hall. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will. Craig Allen Hall and his wife, Sarah, are both on this one show. They're my friends and they're fantastic. 
fantastic human beings. Sarah Wiseman. Sarah Wiseman. And Craig. It's like I have no reception in my room, so it's it's been doing pretty well. This is what happens when you live in mom's basement? <laughs> has it been nice to be with your family during this? You can time? say no if you want. It has. <laughs> yeah, it they, has, they won't listen it, to this. It's also been challenging. Like I've definitely wanted to throttle a lot, um, <laughs> but ultimately, I'm super grateful for it. I mean, like. You know, I would like to live in my apartment in Los Angeles on my own and, well, I mean, have a roommate, but like, you know, do my life. But ultimately when I weigh it out, I'm like, it's so much better that I'm here with my mom and my bro and it's not ideal, but like, what is ideal about life right now? Nothing. Nope. 100% not. Mm. Um, not. Yeah. What is your, like, are you going to be okay What's your are you, your visa and stuff? Are you going to be okay to get back to the U.S.? Because like, there's a lot of immigration bans and stuff right now. Yeah, no, I'm a permanent resident, so I should be fine. Um, it's it's a little tricky because of the border closure. Mm. So it's you know I'm not supposed to travel, nor do I want to go back there when it's so dangerous. Yeah, no one should be here right now. No, exactly right. So I'm just gonna wait until it gets a bit better, and then I'll head down because I can't stay here too long either. I don't want to you know mess up my status and mm. as a green card holder I yeah you know you have to go back every six months right yeah yeah awesome I had one more question but I can't remember what it is so we could probably <laughs> let you go okay. um is there I mean what's I don't know what's to plug right now but is there is there anything you're excited about that you want to talk about oh. before we finish what's to plug I mean Arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. That's one. One thing we can plug. Oh my God. Please. That's yes. Please arrest the cops. Arrest the cops. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing to plug really is all the issues right now that we need to face. Honestly. Yeah. Indigenous lives matter. Black lives matter. And uh, climate change. Oh my God. That's like still the happening. earth is dreaming. We, yeah, and we're just not talking about it now because there's too much else to talk about, but it's still happening. But listen, I think the reason why we're having a pandemic is because of climate change. Tell us more about that. In the past years, we have seen more and more crazy, crazy things like, I mean, tsunamis, forest fires, more earthquakes, more natural disasters, right? Um, murder hornets <laughs> and then a virus that takes over the world if that isn't the earth speaking like this <laughs> solid message loud and fucking clear mm-hmm. like taking us out yeah yeah at such a, such a rapid pace who is in the writer's room for 2020 seriously <laughs> Seriously. If this was a TV show, I would be like, "This is so unrealistic." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't All write this, this shit. That's what I keep saying. Same time. Cannot write this yeah. shit. Like it's <sighs> murder hornets. What? Do you need a clearer think, metaphor? You know, the, I think that's the one that broke everyone. Once the murder hornets came, we were all just like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." And and they were kind enough to sort of take a back seat. Yeah. They really yeah. just like showed up. They, they and have like, been. I haven't heard much about them since. Or were they a nugget dropped into the second episode that won't reveal itself into the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the payoff is coming. Probably coming. 
so. I think so. Yeah. We'll circle back to that storyline. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems clear to me that that's what the overall overriding message is from the earth. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've used it for yeah. so long. It's true. For so long. And, uh, and I think it's interesting, too, that it's, a, that it's a virus that keeps us all at a distance from each other. Yeah. You know? It's... It's so poignant. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And it's I I I feel like it's a you know it again it's a metaphor for actually the truth of how we are. Mm. You know, perhaps uh, you know I feel like there's a there's a there's a divine message there. It's like okay, well maybe if we take away the artifice of connection that you guys all have right now, perhaps you'll realize that you're not really connected that you're not really acting from love as a community with each other and that you're going to have to do some serious deep dives to make that change. Mm. I really hope we take some like awesome lessons from this and I'm just so worried like watching my sort of like I guess like the city I grew up in and how they've just like back into the normal lives and I'm like I don't want to go back to normal like there are so many things like even just stuff like I love that we've now normalized talking about our mental health on a business call like it's something you could like never do before but like you're in people's yep. personal lives right you're in their bedrooms you're in their you're their homes with their kids and their animals and all these things and you've really got to like actually ask people how they are you can't just do the like how are you yeah, i'm yeah. great like no of course no one's really great right now no, no one's great <laughs> it's no, alive, no one so, yeah 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 i sent out a, well, a, a tweet earlier today just a few hours ago talking about my failed marriage which I never thought I would talk about publicly a lot of people don't get the point of the tweet they're like you're gonna find love again I'm like that's not what I was (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I know that's why I left That's, (laughs) that's such a narrative I think in like I don't I don't know. It feels like a narrative in Western culture. Absolutely. I don't know about other, but just that, like, you have to find the one and that's the purpose of your oh, life. Oh, have you never seen a Bollywood movie, yeah. Kaylee? That is the purpose of every Bollywood movie, too. Everyone's life. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, just to, uh, according to your level under, of understanding, will you interpret the words that I write? To me, the whole point of it was life is really fucking challenging sometimes and you have two options either you blame everybody else or you take total responsibility for your situation and you do what you can to learn and you dive in and you make changes and and just to say yeah like that's what i'm hoping too i'm like here we are like we have all of these issues that we're facing what are you gonna do are you just going to say, you can't tell me to wear a mask? Or are you going to go, why don't I care about other human beings enough? What has made me so selfish? What's wrong with me? Because that's what I feel. One thing I feel so ashamed about is when things happen to people far away versus in my backyard, why is my response different? Why can I why can I cry when something happens in my own house and then just feel bad when it happens in my town and then barely feel anything when it happens on the other side of the world 
And of course, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I feel terrible when think, bad things happen. But why is it any different? We're one family. We should be bawling our eyes out when one person dies on the other side of the world. You know, and yet here we have all these people walking around going, well, I don't care about you because what? Because you're not my husband? Because you're not my, my dog? Like some people honestly care about their pets more than they care about a stranger. 100%. And not that pets are anything less, but like, what is wrong with you? You should care about everyone equally. Yeah. I don't know. I've been crying every day. No, it's it's great. I just keep trying not to cry like about four times in this conversation when I've been like, don't cry. You're professional. (laughs) I had, I had a moment in the grocery, I had to go to the grocery store today and like, it's still like people are wearing masks. People are trying to be distant, but like the, uh, the, the, the workers there, I think we're having an issue with one of the cash registers and people were so angry. Mm that they had to wait and just like if you're not if you're not treating retail workers restaurant employees everyone that you come into contact with with just the utmost graciousness and respect and love right now then Mm. what are you doing just stay home yeah how can you be it, it was really hard it's crazy and it, and it, and it's kind of, it's frightening and heartbreaking to think like what is what is it like to be inside that person you know cuz i i look at it, i'm like i don't understand it like i have nothing but gratitude for the people that are working right now and putting their lives at risk i mean maybe not nothing there was this one kid the other day that was like <laughs> really <laughs> not happy at his job it was just like really <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've had one I've had one person like that too and I'm like wow oh actually it was with U.S. immigration and I was like god you guys just be hearing stories right now and I was like so and they're just like I don't know just like it'll be like 29 months and I was like what oh my god I'm still paying rent in New York help me I know right I'm in the same situation I'm like which is why I'm living in like a shack, like a shack, because I'm like, I can't pay rent twice and not have a job. Like all of those things together. I know. I'm so, I know. I'm so grateful that I can live at my mom's yeah. house and not have anything. It's like, I don't know when I'm going to make money. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Um, our government is pretty good, actually. I didn't think I'd be able to get any benefits from our government because I haven't lived here for two years, but turns out I can. So I'm just like, healthcare? All the healthcare. This is great. Great. Turns out like? I wasn't vaccinated to measles, mumps, rubella, so I'm just taking care of that. It kills me that that, that Americans don't have health care. It's it's. I don't know how you feel, but like, you know, it took me a while of living in the states to really get it, get a sense of what it feels like. And I thought the way I look at it now is, sorry, Kaylee, but um, basically uh, we should all call child services because the parents of the US have completely neglected their children. It, it, it's literally like not being brought up correctly. Like, and what I notice is that Americans in general, as kind and as wonderful and generous as many of them are, they have a basic selfishness that they have to look out for themselves because they do. Yeah, they 100% because do. No one has taken care of them. They're not supported. Yeah, it's built into the culture. And, and it's yeah. awful. 
It's awful. It's awful. It's basic decency. And it's it's literally like being a neglected, abused child. Yeah. And with the healthcare system, it's wild. I um I ended up like because New York at this like famous like libertarian Fox News TV presenter's house for dinner to talk about healthcare, which was like an amazing experience. And it's just like this thing where it's just like <laughs> The same people who are like innovation, like whatever. I know so many Americans who just never left their jobs because like their healthcare is tied to their employment. It's like, it just, it doesn't leave room for people to grow. Like when you have that concern that you could go bankrupt at any minute and like you and I are lucky. Like, and I mean, I feel like this way I live in America, but if I found out that I had a terminal illness, if I had a disease or if I had something that was like an ongoing condition that I'd need ongoing help for. And like I'm mid thirties now. So I'm, relatively healthy as far as I know and fine but if I was like if I got told like you have this thing it's going to be an ongoing treatment I'd be like it's been real America (laughs) I've loved you it's been great (laughs) I'm gonna go because I'm not bankrupting myself in this country just to be alive like it's it's just it's wild and even with all the money that it costs I don't feel safe going to an American hospital like I just don't feel like they're taking care of me and not trying to maximize profit. Absolutely, and they and you know I, I understand now too why it's become such a litigious country. It's because like there's sort of a basic decency in Canada when you go to an insurance company or whatever. They actually want to take care of you, mm-hmm. and I didn't believe it until I experienced it for myself. That in the states they don't actually want to take care of you. They want to fuck you over mm-hmm. at the first opportunity. Oh, yeah. They actually look for ways to not tell you the fine print, to like, they straight up lie to you, um, to delude you into believing that you have some sort of safety when you have none. And what they've told that they're going to give you, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I met a guy who was like mid thirties at this same dinner. He was like young, like not that much older than me. And he had been at Accenture, great company. And he found out he had prostate cancer, super young guy. Like you'd never like no pre-existing whatever. And it was still like $10,000 out of pocket and you have cancer. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I can't imagine the consequences it has on a person's health to know that like I'm financially ruined, like, and I'm dying. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And then, and then what chance do you have in that moment? And then that's the environment that you were literally raised in. So how are you supposed to have any sort of basic, like lack of anxiety, like trust in like, I'm just, my basic needs are being met. You don't have that in America. Yeah. Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the base, the foundation ain't there. Yeah. And so it's no wonder everybody's on fucking drugs. I'm swearing a lot. Now. Yeah, it's fine. We <laughs> no, swear heaps in is, the podcast. This is yeah. like way on brand for our conversations. We're way off topic. We're talking about politics. We're really angry. We're halfway through a 9% Oh, I'm beer. on my third oh, beer. Oh, this is my, beer. this is, it's so good. So this was my other choice for this episode is La Fin du Monde, mm-hmm. one for Battlestar and two for now. Yeah. Um, and because it's Canadian. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's lovely. I'm going to have to go buy beer one of these days. Do you know what? We could have sent you some. I mean, I just felt like it was creepy on the internet yeah, to fine. ask you for your address. But we're very trustworthy. But I was like, I was like happy to like, like get a delivery service and like send you some beer. Like we would have done that for Aww. you. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. I'm really sorry. No, no, it's good. On that note, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I don't want to take up any more of Likewise. your time. Um, also, well. we are down. Like, if you want to talk about V for Vendetta, we can send you some beers. We can talk about that. But we're both going to go and watch it. 
tonight. Yeah, let me know after you guys watch it. Hit me up and, and we'll see where we're at. Absolutely. We okay. Thank you so much. All right. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hear footsteps walking down the hallway in the middle of the night. Then I start hearing little sounds become so magnified here in the quiet. The kitchen phone that rings, and when you answer quickly, speaking in a whisper, I'm left to wonder why. I've got a lonely feeling that I'm hearing the sounds of goodbye. The sounds of goodbye. Your stocking feet that softly tiptoe through the room where I lay half asleep. The clinking hands, fumbling hands that close the closet door that always creaks. The snapping latches on the suitcase that you carried with you to your mother's on those weekends many times. I've got a lonely feeling that I'm here. Sounds of goodbye. The sounds of goodbye. The scratching of a pencil, writing words upon a note I'll hate to read. I call your name and hear a deafening silence, then the closing of a door. Strangest cutting voice than the violent rush of teardrops from my eyes. I've got a lonely feeling that I'm hearing the sounds of goodbye. The sounds of goodbye.